In this segment, we'll experiment with the boundaries of storytelling, featuring some of our friends, mentors, and advisors. We'll share perspectives and reframe the narratives that fall on a spectrum. We'll have unfiltered conversations around life, business, and everything in between. Between the vantage point of a deep thinker and an atomic player. Between an objective mind and a subjective heart. Between the truth teller and the truth seeker. Between two sides of the coin. So Alex, welcome to our show. <laughs> we just wanted to have a candid discussion or a banter with you to talk all about everything in between. Let's say it's business, philosophy, and maybe normal talks between friends as well. We just completed our 24 episodes in SaaS Etap, talking to some of the entrepreneurs, investors, and SaaS evangelists from all parts of the world. It was, uh, oh my God, what a ride it was. And uh, good to have you as well. And thanks to you within the SaaS community, we got connected as well. So welcome to the show, Alex. Yeah, no, no, pleasure to be here. Yeah, delighted to, to chat to you both, have a bit of banter, and uh, yeah, just uh, have, have a good discussion. So uh, yeah, it should be good. Looking forward to it. Thanks. So um, uh, just to start off, right, you know, someone told me that Alex Thuma has a big SaaS talk uh, tattoo on him. Is that true, Alex? <laughs> it is true. Uh, where is it? There we go. Ah. Well, you can see it's on video. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I've got the, the, the SaaS talk logo logo or the circle, the icon of, uh, of Sastop, tattooed on my kind of chest and shoulder. Quite a spontaneous idea. So the, I, I have two tattoos now. The one on my arm was planned and I went to visit trade exhibitions and I thought about the design. I collaborated with the designer. I waited one year to get it done because he was, the designer was booked up and I flew to France to get it done into Toulouse and got it done in one weekend. Um, and then the, the, the Sastock tattoo, it was, we were coming up to Sastock in Dublin. I want to say, was it 2018 or 2019? I can't really remember. Uh, I think it was maybe it was 2018. And I just thought like, hey, wouldn't it be a good idea? <laughs> maybe like a good bit of marketing as well to get the Sastock tattoo, like, you know, on my, on my shoulder. So I did that and then I re revealed it socially. And then when I was at the conference, everyone was kind of coming up to me and saying, are you the guy with the tattoo, you know, Sastock kind of on, on your shoulder? And wow. so, yeah. So that was literally the first thing kind of almost everybody said. So they weren't like, hi, Alex, you know, great conference or, you know, nice to see you. They just kind of went in straight for the, uh, for the tattoo. But uh, yeah. And then once we, once we got it done, you know, the team said the obvious thing, which I hadn't thought about. They said, well, we can't do a rebrand now. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, so maybe a good point. But but I mean, if we rebranded, then I'd have to maybe consider, you know, getting another one. But um, we'll see. We'll see. But that's amazing. I mean, I, I work a lot with marketing channels, you know, and maybe this is a new growth hack, for example. Like if you have a brand, tattoo it on your on your chest and people will come up to you and talk to you, right? That's it. I think, well, I mean, if, you, if you're a founder and you don't have, I don't know, the, the icon or the logo of your company on, you know, on your body somewhere, do you really care about that company? Yeah? I'll put it out there. Oh my God, that's a bold statement. I mean, not many founders or not many folks have that tattoo on them. I don't think many have. I don't think many have that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, maybe it's a trend I can start. Good stuff. Oscar, you also have a tattoo, right? You are also inked, I think so. Oh man, not one. I have many actually. And actually, I, my, both of my arms are full of tattoos. And I started like in when I was 18. And you, Alex, I mean, you mentioned you had two tattoos now, but it, it's like an 
I mean, when you start off, it's easier. Like the hurdles are are smaller for the next tattoo. And right now it's kind of an addiction, I think. But for me, it's very important that every tattoo has an, has its own meaning. I mean, it's not like that my tattoos is my is my brand, but I think that the personal meaning is super important to me. And that's why I it's just part of my story, I think. I just basically use the, th the things that happens to me on my story and just make a tattoo out of it. Well, there you go. I mean, I've, I've learned something new about you then, then Oscar. And, and when we when we do get to meet in person uh, next year, we'll uh, all have to compare tattoos. Oh, yeah. I'm so looking forward to that. Yeah. It's, <laughs> what about you, Sashwood, actually? Do you have any tattoos? Yeah, I have a small one, actually. It's a it's a in yang. Actually, I got it tattooed with along with a friend of mine. We were traveling in Thailand and uh, just before take, boarding a flight, we just tattooed it. I mean, that was weird, but uh, I still have it on me. So, yeah, I'm also inked. <laughs> Uh, good stuff. I think uh, Alex would love to know a little bit about you as a person. I mean, the, on the business side of things, everyone knows that you're the CEO of SaaS Talk and you're very active in the SaaS community. You have been running a lot of events, virtual as well as in-person events in Dublin for quite a lot of uh, years. But, um, you know, like, like they say in the MBTI assessment, right, the Myers-Briggs assessment and uh, the DISC assessments, the business chemistry assessments, they say that uh, what kind of person a professional is? I mean, are they, let's say, extrovert, introvert, ambivert, in-between? Uh, what kind of um, you know, personalities they bring into the business as well? Just curious to know about you. Yeah, yeah, a good question. I mean, I, I would say in terms of like, you know, between extrovert and introvert, I'm I'm sort of in between. It kind of really really depends. You, you know, certainly like on, on my day and when I'm kind of in the mood. You know, I'm a I'm a, an outgoing kind of person. You know, confident uh, person. And, uh, but I do find that there are kind of certain occasions where. You, you know, I just prefer to be quiet, quiet and listen in and, you know, kind of choose and pick my sort of like moments, uh, you know, uh, but definitely, you, you know, as um, as the leader of Sastock and, you know, being CEO of the business, you know, when I'm running team calls or, you know, when I'm, you know, kind of in the office or whatever, you know, I am much more kind of, you know, of an extroverted uh, sort of like person. But uh, I think that, uh, as I say, just kind of certain occasions where I just don't feel like being that, you know, all the time. Right. And uh and, and some people might kind of, if they don't know me, and if it is that certain moment where I've chosen to be like, you know, quiet and just kind of sit back, they might think that I'm quite quiet and sort of introverted. So I definitely think it, it, it's it's not one or the other, but it's more kind of, uh, you, you know, a mix and, and in between, which I think is a nice balance, right? Because maybe there's nothing wrong with being, you know, a complete extrovert all the time or also being an introvert all the time. Maybe that's something within your nature, but um, I like to try and have that uh, have that balance. So that's definitely, I would say, probably describes me in, in that sense. Um, yeah, and you know, I'm a, I mean, first time entrepreneur, although the, this, uh, we've been running Sastock, like we're in the six year, you know, a first time founder, uh, but you, you know, six years kind of experience as a first, as a first time founder. But the first year of Sastock, you know, Sastock didn't exist. That, that was kind of when I was uh, like discovering like what to do you know, with the business, but I kind of, with the enthusiasm of, uh, you, you know, I wanted to kind of run my own business and I, I had an idea. I formed a company uh, before I even really had the business idea, which was maybe in hindsight, not, not the best thing to do because I had to start paying taxes from the, the point of when I, I formed that company. And then it would kind of recorded a loss in that first year because there wasn't really any revenue. However, maybe that gave me also a bit of like extra accountability as well. Say, okay, well, you formed a company, you've got to, you're like, you, you know, you, you want to do something and you kind of got to try and get it done. But it initially, you, you know, it came from 
you know, writing a blog and like a bit of a side hustle and doing a podcast, doing SaaS meetups, and then everybody saying, wouldn't it be great if you ran a conference in Europe? And um, despite never having the experience kind of then of, of doing, you know, running a conference, I, I thought it did make sense. And I really kind of liked the idea and I was looking for that thing and looking to how do I, you know, go into this as a full-time business. So the conference path was what I chose. But the, the point was that now we're in the sixth year and I've got this kind of experience. I can find that, you know, each year and like with the mistakes that were made and the successes and, you know, failures, et cetera, I feel like I'm getting a bit more comfortable in the, you know, in the CEO kind of seat. And additionally, I mean, you, you know, we've had a very, you know, well, it, it's, it's quite obvious, I think maybe to, uh, to many of you in the events industry, a kind of a, a rocky year, right, with the, with the pandemic, which has been kind of very challenging. But also, you know, when you kind of look, at, look back at that, I think it's been a great experience, you know, development, you know, for me, it's very like, tough and kind of stressful year. And we have to, you know, say goodbye to a lot of good friends and colleagues and, uh, you know, things like that. But it, it, it was an opportunity to, you know, steer the ship through, you, you know, a kind of a, a storm, which we did. And, uh, and it wasn't easy. Uh, and I was the, you know, I had to be the captain of the ship and sometimes having to, you know, really kind of like motivate the team because we've got a pandemic on one side, you know, we've got, you know, this kind of pivot on the other side and just not, you know, so much uncertainty, you know, kind of in the world. But yeah, we got kind of got through what well, was a very kind of uh, tough year. And I think, you, you know, you know, what, as I think Nietzsche says, to, you know, I'm not going to quote Nietzsche on, on, on the podcast, but, you know, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger, right? And I think we... That's a, that experience is will make SaaS stock stronger. And we've come up with a lot of innovation, maybe too much, but we've come up with a lot of innovation on the back of it. So, you know, now we've got a digital business, which we didn't have before. And now the in-person conference business, you know, is starting to, to come back in terms of it's scheduled for next year in October, 2022, but we're already having, you know, conversations and planning and so on around that. Uh, we've even made... Uh, you know, some sponsorship sales and so on, you, you know, around that. So that revenue stream will start to come back and then we'll have this, you know, online business and kind of offline business. And hopefully that will then kind of make us stronger and we can kind of grow and build up again. So, uh, so yeah, so I've learned a lot over the, the, the last six years from being, you know, totally inexperienced as you are as a first time founder to someone that's had a lot of experience and, you know, made a lot of mistakes, you know, gone through, you know, a lot of challenges and gone through pivots and, uh, gone through pandemics like I think many has. So so that's good. And that's made me, you know, stronger for it. I think that's super interesting. I mean, there's this mindset that you have. And yeah, we all know last year has been quite challenging for all of us, right? And especially for you at Sustalk. I mean, you have been doing events in person and now you have to make the pivot to online events. Wow, what a challenge actually. And I've recently read this quite interesting quote. Let me quote this right now here. It's called, when mind is weak, situation is a problem. When mind is balanced, situation is a challenge and when mind is strong situation becomes an opportunity and i really love that quote because it shows so much how important your mindset actually is and you actually you just said it like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger what helps you alex in your daily business in your daily life that to really implement that that mindset and keep pushing forward do you have like any practices any routines you use yeah, yeah i do i get a bit I like i think for the for the first three years of sas i didn't and then, and, and you, you know, I would really get stressed about things that were perhaps, you, you know, things definitely not to get stressed about, but, you know, even kind of just like small mistakes on the website or, 
you, you know, mistakes on emails kind of going out or whatever, you know, things like that. And, and a lot of kind of like people kind of related stress as, as well, right? So I, I would find that, you know, that would affect sleep or walking on, you know, walking on the beach or whatever. And I'm constantly thinking about, you know, the problems and stressing and, and, and so on. So, th so that was kind of challenging, uh, I think, you know, for the first few years in the experience. But then I started to focus on kind of, you know, mindset and health and trying to be the best that I can be, you know, at work, right? So that, you know, when there is some bad news or whatever, you kind of like, okay, how do we handle this? You know, move on and, you know, so forth. You know, if, if a key person in the business, you know, for whatever reason, decided that they were leaving you say okay they're leaving like what do we do and then you know you know how do we hire you know somebody that's better than them and, and, and so on and, and so forth so the things that I, I sort of do now are exercise five times a week uh, sort of daily I've been doing it I've been experimenting but generally I prefer to do it first thing in the morning because then that just kind of it kind of makes me like you know when we come on to our daily huddle in the morning you know I'm just ready you know and I'm, I'm also I, of course, I'm, I'm not expecting bad news on a regular uh, basis, you know, by any means. But if anything, and if anything came, uh, I would be like, yeah, okay, here's how we, I'd feel kind of, you know, like calm in myself in that, I've, you, you know, I've got a lot of energy out, you know, kind of already and just feeling kind of good for the day. And generally, I, I wake up, at, I try to wake up at half five, and, uh, five thirty in the morning. And then I'll try to then uh, do exercise straight away, usually for 20 to 30 minutes, something sort of high intensity. Then uh, this is like a, a good week and I try and have this kind of habit. Then I'll do like 10 minutes of meditation. Then I'll do like 20 minutes of reading. And then I kind of take the dog out like for a walk on the beach. Uh, and then I come back and, you know, then start to have breakfast with the kids and, and family. And then I start work and then I'm kind of, I'm, I'm ready at that point. And pretty much at that point, a lot of my colleagues have probably only been up for like 15 minutes or something like that. But I feel like I've, 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 I've achieved a lot and I'm just kind of ready you, you know, ready to go for, for the day. So I think that, that certainly helps. I've started, but I, I need to kind of get better at it, but uh, I, I've got this um, mind journal. Uh, so started to look at like journaling uh, as well. And uh, I've heard, this is only like very recently in the last like couple of months. Uh, I know a lot of people that do it and, you know, claim the benefits of it and even that you know, it improves your health and, and, and so on and, uh, and so forth. So looking to kind of get into that uh, as well. Um, and then there's another thing I do in terms of like, it's around, it's called like Full Focus Planner um, uh, by Michael Hyatt. And then basically at the end of every day, I, I've got it scheduled in my calendar uh, that, okay, now I need to kind of like go to the Full Focus Planner uh, and then write down what are my priorities for the next day, what's happening for the next day. And that really kind of helps like, in two ways. One, it's sort of maybe like compartmentalizes what's happening tomorrow, you know, kind of in my brain. So that I can switch off and that I'm not thinking about work, like, you, you know, what's happening tomorrow, et cetera, when I go to sleep. And because I've already written it down and, you know, I know that. And then, you, you know, when, when I come to, you, you know, that next day, I look in the morning, like I know what my kind of top priorities are. I've set them the next day. And if I'd set them on the day, you know, they say that sometimes your emotion on that day and when you wake up can dictate, you know, what your priorities are. So it's better to, to, to set your priorities when there's no emotion involved. Um, and so, yeah, to do that in advance. And so I find that kind of helps as well, kind of sets me up. But, but if I would say of any of those things, uh, the exercise and the regular exercise is really the, kind of the one thing that's made a big difference, you know, over the last sort of like 
year or so to you know to my I don't know mindset into like mental health. Yeah, I think that's very interesting, especially that you said, okay, in the first three years of Sastok, you didn't do anything of that. I mean, maybe exercising, but nothing about mindset, right? And I think when you just start out and you're in this hustle mode, you think work first, right? You work like 24-7 and you really want to push things forward. But what I've learned in my journey, to be honest, is like the mindset is so important that you can keep on this road, that you can keep pushing forward. Don't neglect it. And what I've been doing recently is like starting meditating and it really helped me out a lot. So just as you said, with the mindset, with the challenges, how to cope with challenges. So I think that's very, very important. Yeah, and that's something I've learned for myself as well. Sashwat, what about you? How do you cope with challenges? I think um, off late, I've realized that, you know, the power of pause. So uh, when you are hustling and when you are working on high stress and high performing um, stressful um, environments as well, it really helps you if you take a good pause. And of course, this pandemic has uh, given everyone a lesson to how to take a pause and really reflect on a lot of things that you've been doing in the past and how do you actually pivot or uh, converge all these disjointed uh, pointers to go for a very nice conclusion as well. So uh, yeah, one and a half years I have been pausing actually to, um, you know, I was a fellow with NASCOM and uh, Offlet uh, for the last seven, eight months in this podcasting journey as well. Besides the hustling part, uh, what I've learned is that if you really pause whenever there is a fight or a flight kind of situation arise, it really helps you uh, to a lot of things. Whatever decision you are about to take or whatever decision you might take, right? If you take a good pause and then reflect on it and then decide, it will be a better decision is what uh, folks have told me. And I've been practicing that for a while. Absolutely. I agree to that. So Alex, what I'm very interested about is, and Sashwood and I have been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, actually. We are currently like using Clubhouse as a, as a different way to reach our customers or reach potential customers. And I mean, you are using Clubhouse as well, I guess. And what we found out is we have like these two sides of a coin, right? Sashwood is in India. I'm from, from Munich, Germany. And it's very interesting that the market adoption, we feel like the market adoption is completely different. Like in India, there are many early adopters. Peeping, people are downloading Clubhouse, using Clubhouse like all the, all the time. And in, in Germany, I feel like people are more yeah, suspicious about new apps, about new trends. They're not using it immediately, right? They're not early adopters. How is it in UK? How do you feel about it? Yeah, you know, it's a, it, it's an interesting one. I, I mean, I love, I love the technology. I, love, I, I do like the, the app. I think, I think it's great. A new way, you know, it, it's a new medium, I think, or, or, or an old medium re, kind of repurposed. And then originally, I think, you know, we've seen like when they, when they launched uh, sort of Clubhouse, you know, there was all this kind of... Uh, hype and you know fanfare and you know i think it was mostly you know kind of in the us and you, you know uh, people kind of really uh, wanted to join the platform and you know get how do we get an invite there was kind of all of that uh, you know kind of happening uh, and then what i saw like you, you know within our our world that there's a lot of influences that that i know that kind of said yeah you know this is amazing everyone got really excited by it we're going all in on clubhouse and, and there was a lot of heavy use clubhouse for uh, for a few months and it was almost addictive uh, as well i think some people were finding it kind of addictive and really enjoying it uh, and listening in and, and so on but then we've seen that kind of that initial excitement kind of taper down a little bit and then these these influencers and uh, uh, and, and people that i know within the network basically stopped using like clubhouse you, you know they've gone through that wave and then all of a sudden kind of made a decision that we're not going to be spending so much time uh, here, but I think maybe it was they were spending so much time on there because they got so excited 
they probably realized that they had companies to run and other places to be, right? And then, like, honestly, like, from, from my side, I see that, yeah, like, there's a big sort of US audience. I've seen this kind of, you know, now sort of open up. There's, there's, a, there's quite a big audience, you know, from India uh, that's going to come in. Europe, it's, it's kind of so-so, I would say. There's, there's some use and, you know, people are just not really sure. Uh, and I'm probably like, you know, I'm one of the people that I want it to be kind of successful and I want to kind of figure it out. And I want to see, you know, Sasdok have a clubhouse strategy. But, you know, we've done a few, you know, pub, we've done a few rooms uh, on Clubhouse and they haven't been like hugely successful, but I'm not sure that I've really, I've not really cracked it, right, in terms of the right strategy. And I know that maybe to kind of like get a room, blow up a room, uh, whatever, you've got to get some like moderators on there with really big followings and so on and so forth. And, and, and initially, like what I've done, like I invited some, you, you know, some great founders, you know, from my network to kind of come in that, uh, you know, they've done some great things. They sold their business for not that it's necessarily the, the definition of greatness, but for 500 million or 800 million or, or whatever. And they're great entrepreneurs in themselves, but they, and they've got so great content to, to speak about, but they were not on Clubhouse. So I invited them in, so they had no following. Uh, and then, you, you know, therefore that, you know, not a lot of people necessarily kind of came into the room, despite that, you, you know, awesome content being created. Uh, and then additionally, I mean, uh, I know this is not between uh, these four Zoom walls, uh, but then I, then I thought, okay, well, if, you, if, if I can't really get the masses there, certainly I can repurpose the content. If I can have a consistent approach to Clubhouse where I'm, I'm doing a room every week, getting some good guests in, recording it, and then reusing that content as a podcast, but then I found the first couple of times I did that, like I, I messed up the recordings. Like I didn't realize one of them, I did, you know, a screen recording. It didn't pick up any audio. The next time it only picked up my audio uh, and so on. And I was just like, oh, you know, it just caused me lots of hassle. So now we're not doing regular rooms and I'm not sure. And even like the last time we did it, there wasn't a, there wasn't a whole bunch of people there. Um, and so I'm just not sure, like, is, is that, you, you know, the best use of my time, uh, you know, should I bet on Clubhouse? You know, there are so many other like, things and channels that, you know, that, that we kind of looking at and we create a lot of content on YouTube and, you know, we do a lot of podcast content as well. And it's like, the question is, you know, should just double down on, you know, on what we've been doing or do we you know, open it up and, you know, really kind of bet on Clubhouse and seeing that happen. So I don't know, what, what do you think in terms of like, you know, do you, are, are you, big believers in Clubhouse, you think it's, uh, uh, I don't know whether it's going to come back or, it, uh, I mean, not that it's going to kind of gone away, but it's going to become the big thing. Uh, like, uh, welcome your opinions on it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because we've, de we've been debating about this for the last couple of weeks, I think, but Sashwat, go on. So I think I'm very uh, bullish on Clubhouse, primarily because this uh, social audio platform, I mean, this concept is actually blowing up this year. All the biggies of uh, Spotify, Amazon, uh, you know, uh, Spotify, Facebook, and uh, Twitter spaces, they're all doubling down on uh, the social audio revolution that's just kick-started. And Clubhouse being a pioneer, you know, they're even innovating as we speak. I mean, you know, just yesterday, they just launched their uh, chat messaging feature as well, which means that you can actually connect or drop a message to a lot of your guests and audiences as well. So that's, that's a very unique feature. And um, uh, for the last six, seven months, what I have realized is that a lot of podcasters are really a big fan of Clubhouse primarily because just not about getting guests, but also, you know, engaging with their audience as well, right? Uh, so you 
you have a podcast, but you do not know how to engage with your listeners of the podcast. So what's happening on Clubhouse is that A, maybe after one or two quarters, they will definitely get the recording feature as well. And after that, you can actually record within the Clubhouse itself. And there, thereafter, once the guest session or the host session gets completed, you can actually engage with the audience who will be listening to that guest as well. So that is much more, how do you say, uh, spontaneous or ephemeral. And it, it really brings in the intimacy with the, those kind of conversations. So I'm, I'm definitely very bullish on Clubhouse. But what will happen and what will be very interesting to see is that in the coming months, how, how different geographies and different folks from different continents will engage on this particular platform. Like you rightly said, right? I mean, uh, US, it started off, then it took off in different parts. Uh, you know, there was an Apple launch and then Android really took off. And now what's happening is the entire Asian eco ecosystem is also coming on Clubhouse. So there's a lot of discourse happening as well, because when people are on a stage or people are there on a particular platform, of course, there, the debate is bound to happen, right? There will be a lot of different kind of cross connections, a different kind of um, a different way the people are communicating is also very uh, unique. I mean, even let's say, you know, folks in UK or US are learning how, how to engage with Koreans, how to engage with Japanese, how to uh, engage with Australians. So, so that kind of cultural mix is really taking place right in Clubhouse. So I'm very gung-ho about how this particular social audio will take off. Uh, very positive. Primarily, um, you know, it will be so cool to just for podcasters to record it from Clubhouse and release it right after the event uh, gets done. And um, also, I'm also seeing a lot of uh, sales engine being set up uh, on, on the various use cases of Clubhouse. So what will happen is that the demand gen and the lead gen, right, it will really kickstart within the particular app itself. Of course, people have been using Gong and uh, a lot of other uh, SaaS platforms. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of uh, sales motions are really, you know, uh, enabled or are on top of the clubhouse as well. I'm pretty sure a lot of SaaS companies will build some APIs around that as well. So those are my thoughts. So are you saying, um, sorry, Gong has some, uh, some like... Uh, not yet, not yet. Uh, what I'm saying is that, uh, let's say, you know, otter.ai, which is like a transcribing of, um, you know, uh, it transcribes all your conversations, audio conversations to text, right? That already has some collaboration with a, a site called as clubhub.tech. Uh, so, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of other companies will be building APIs on top of it for their specific use cases. And some of them would be in the side of the sales as well. Yeah, no, I, th I think it's on the recording part, like once they develop that feature, that would be very useful then, I think, as you say, to engage with the, with, you know, with the podcast audience, right? Um, I, I even thought, like, you, you know, a, a few months ago, wouldn't it kind of be cool, like, to do, like, a conference, you know, on Clubhouse, right? But then I kind of then started having, like, doubts about the idea, just because in terms of the audience, like, what, what would the value necessarily be, uh, I, I think, you know, for the speakers or, the, you know, we wouldn't have any sponsors, it wouldn't, you put a lot of effort like into it, but there's not 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 a direct way, let's say, to to monetize it. You could get some value, but you couldn't get you, you know the people's kind of emails. You wouldn't be getting any revenue from it, but you'd be creating a kind of good experience. And for 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 speakers to kind of give up their time, you, you know, for this, I think could be challenging. And to put on you know put it together, I'm not sure in terms of the effort and then the reward, how that would look like. But let's say if you've got a thousand people, you know, into a room and you kind of called it a conference and you had your various different speakers that you might get to SaaS stock or whatever, could be an interesting kind of format to play with potentially. Absolutely. I think uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of audio conferences will be hosted on Clubhouse in the coming months. The reason is 
uh, they definitely have uh, kickstarted the payment uh, gateway and other features, right? So what will happen is that if you have a sponsored room, right, and um, by a company like, let's say, Salesforce or, or a big name as well, and you get some great uh, guests, there will be people who would be, you know, let's say $5 or five pounds or five or people should be comfortable paying for that if that conference goes on for a good amount of time, eight, 10 hours and plus a lot of back channels uh, have been opening up as well. Yeah. So um, people are experimenting and that I foresee that definitely there will be audio conferences going forward, especially I listened to this gentleman from time. They have already hosted a bunch of events uh, on Clubhouse. So quite a lot of brands are adopting it. Mm -hmm. And uh, with the new momentum of how the podcasting ecosystem is going towards like, you know, IKEA launching their catalog entirely for the first time on a podcast. Yeah. Uh, these kind of uh, use cases um, uh, might see a little bit of convergence on Clubhouse as well. Are, so are your methods. so I'm, I'm guessing that if I said to you, Saswat, that, that should SaaStock, should I, you know, continue to persist with Clubhouse and you know create a, a Clubhouse strategy and do the rooms that, that you'd be in the yes camp. <laughs> what about what about Oscar? Uh, where would you be sitting? Yes, Ashwood, what about you? You're in the yes camp, I, I assume, right? I think yes, yes, because um, uh, I've uh, spoken to a lot of uh, folks within my community as well. And I've, what I've, they have told is that, you know, now with the advent of uh, Clubhouse, you know, they are much more comfortable listening to podcasts and, you know, the audio because the content, right? You just don't see the particular guest right? But you anyways get the content through the years. So why would you um, uh, come on a video sitting on a laptop on a Saturday or a Sunday evening when you can actually click on an app? Uh, there's no Zoom link. There is no dropping in, dropping out. It's so much convenience. So I'm, I'm definitely very positive on the, on the audio conferences side of it. Oscar, what about you? Yeah, it's, it's kind of a dilemma, to be honest, because I have the same opinion as you have. It's like, okay, we have like a new marketing channel, a new tool that, that came out and now it's like about do you want to double down on the marketing effort you have been using already for example podcasting or writing blogs writing content marketing for your website or do you want to use this new channel so i'm very skeptical about that i'm definitely not in the yes camp when we're talking about sas talk and, and using clubhouse but what i do like is and what you mentioned is okay we have like this new tool people are using it influencers are using it why not utilize it i mean not pushing like for going for a hundred percent in there and using Clubhouse all the time as a, your your only marketing channel, but maybe just as you said, okay, using it to get people in there, building a community, but also reusing your content you're producing there. And I think when you do that, you can use it for SaaS talk as well. You can push it on your on your blog or like recreate something in your podcast, whatever. But I think it's important to get that content and not just leave it there, but just reuse it, use it on different platforms to really push your your other marketing channels that are already working yeah no definitely i'm 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 still i'm going to give it you know still give it a go and, and see see where it goes but um certainly my my initial bullishness doesn't match uh saswa but uh maybe maybe it can come back now what, what's your what's your bet on on clubhouse i mean alex i mean you you've mentioned that many influencers tried it out yeah really liked it in the beginning but now are not using it anymore What's your bet on on Clubhouse? My background in terms of like what what have, what have we done on it? Um, no, your your bet. Like, how do you think how how this this thing is going to to evolve in yeah, the future? Yeah, it's um, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm kind of not sure because a lot of people that I've spoken to who were the the heavy the early, the first adopters and the heavy users, they're kind of saying, well, um, you know, this the audio, you know, kind of uh, like audios are like only like model or whatever is kind of like here to stay 
and they're kind of bullish on that, but they became less bullish on, on, on Clubhouse itself. But I think like Clubhouse has sort of reacted sort of reasonably uh, kind of well. They maybe had this like after this huge, you know, boost where it was, you know, the most popular app, you know, kind of in the world, uh, you know, for, for a period of time, you know, then it's had this little, like, little dip and it's very difficult, I think, to say, you know, number one, you know, uh, uh, for a long kind of period. But as it's opened up, you know, they really opened up to Android, you, you know, uh, developing all these new features, et cetera. And it is this kind of, uh, you know, the pioneer, you know, of this space. Then I think it's, it's going to stick around. And I think, you, you know, potentially it's going to be sort of one of these things that, you know, in a, in a couple of years time, we might see that, you know, this is the most kind of, you know, popular form of, uh, you know, consuming content. And uh, it's just, yeah, right now, it's just kind of difficult to see. And I think the challenge is within, let's say, marketing, you know, which we're all doing and we're currently doing, you know, there are so many different channels, right? And, you know, we've already got loads of channels. And, you know, we're speaking uh, this week, you know, at Sastock about TikTok and like, oh, should I be using TikTok? And, you, you know, should we be having a TikTok account? It's like, no, it's another bloody no. channel. It's another channel, right? And that we have to use, right? No, Alex, don't come on TikTok, you know, that will really, I don't know. I think, you know, like TikTok is a, is a very different kind well, of I, that, that, Again, this is, what, this is what I thought. So on, on Tuesday, I, I did like my monthly entrepreneur forum and I was speaking to the fellow entrepreneurs and they were, they kind of convinced me. They said like, there's a lot happening for business there and it's a, you, you know, you should be getting on it and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, I thought it was, you know, like crappy videos for teenage girls or whatever. But, uh, but they, the, these guys were just, you know, singing its praises. So I thought, I'll have a look. But it's another channel that I have to manage. You, you know, we, we, we look at, if we're just looking at social media, for instance, you know, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, even within those uh, four, and I'm not including YouTube, you know, we kind of pick like which are the ones where where are most effective or like where we need to kind of double down on. So we spend more time on Twitter and LinkedIn. We spend less time on Instagram. But then, you know, if we're like adding TikTok to this, then it's it's another channel to manage and you're spreading your time kind of thin and, and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it's um, all of these apps. And I think this is the thing with Clubhouse. I think when we're looking at it, when I'm looking at it and, you, you know, others are looking at it, it's like, this is just another thing to do. And like, do we have time? And like, you, you know, is it going to pay off? And, you know, how how valuable are the people that are, you, you know, listening to the content and how much value are they getting and so on and so forth. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. We'll keep keen to see how it kind of plays out. Um, but love the technology. So I hope it does work. And, you, you know, again, that we'll find a way that uh, that it'll be adding value, and uh, uh, you know, to to the masses. Oscar, um, I'm just curious, uh, in the coming months or years, how do you think uh, how people will, will be, uh, you know, communicating or interacting as well? I mean, of course, the, the borders may not have opened up entirely, but do you think people will be, uh, you know, communicating in a very different model altogether? I mean, just as we already talked about it, I think this whole audio concept will take off even more, will scale up even more. People will use audio channels even more, I think. And because the, the beauty in, in audio is just you get this emotional aspect, right? You're not just texting somebody, you're not just using, for example, communicating with people via a blog or anything. You get this emotional aspect, you get to learn people and you can really interact with people. And I think that's going to, to have a spike if it's going to be on Clubhouse or not. I don't know about that, but we've also talked uh, to Justin Mitchell from, from Yak. So I think there are more and more people focusing on this audio aspect. And I think that's something that's going to be 
more popular in the future. Absolutely. And Alex, do you think there will be any other other use cases or any different way of you know communicating across different uh, folks? I mean, the the pre twenty twenty era was a different era, of course, and uh, post twenty twenty would be completely different. So, besides audio, do you foresee any trends or anything that that you've come across that will be very different? <laughs> Yeah, I, I could I could see I, I don't know about very different, but um, I, I'm hoping and uh, maybe sort of betting uh, a big trend on people coming back to conferences right next year to communicate right. But uh, I think um, it's it's interesting. Obviously, we've seen virtual conferences like you know explode over the you know the last twelve months, and you know again say like riding the wave of the pandemic, but it, it's really kind of. Uh, elevated virtual conferences and the technology and you know kind of as a thing and it was the only option really for us over the last 12 months what we've seen i think you know uh, as we kind of you, you know 12 months on from when the the pandemic kind of you know first kind of uh, you know hit the world uh, is that people are really craving to kind of get back together right and uh, but but i think with 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 a balance right because i think people are looking at their behaviors, you know, before the pandemic and before 2020, where even people like myself, like I was traveling all the time, right? And, you know, traveling to sales meetings, maybe like we'd have one meeting in Dublin and I would wake up at 4 a.m., go to the airport, fly over, you know, do the meeting, do a bit of work, fly back, get back at, you know, nine o'clock at night or whatever. And like, oh, you're exhausted, but you kind of went there for one meeting. I could just have that meeting on Zoom now or, or whatever, right? Whatever technology. And, you know, it, it doesn't, it's not quite the same as doing it in person, but it's also, that was also a very inefficient, you know, way that I'll just explain to you, like using my, my day and my time. Um, and then I would travel the world with SASPA conferences and then attending other conferences and so on and so forth. But so I think people are going to say, well, we maybe don't need to kind of go back to that, mm-hmm. but they see the value of actually going to, you know, specific conferences and then perhaps within that time, catching up with everybody, being really efficient, doing, you know, a year's worth of business over a couple of days, right? Uh, and maybe kind of like going to like two or three events per year to see their customers, to see prospective customers, you know, and, and so on. And, and utilize you know, conferences as this kind of like the vessel to just get like, you know, so much, you know, efficient business done, in, you know, in a limited period of time. So I think that's uh, like something that, that kind of may happen. I feel I feel like people do want to get back together, but they they will not go back to kind of look, you know traveling all the time. And you know there was a question about like you know working from home and hybrid work and so on. So there's definitely been a change in the world, right? But I do feel that conferences will become uh, you know this kind of like vessel for like you know efficient business uh, sort of making, and people will will choose to say okay instead of like flying over to San Francisco and doing a couple of meetings and come back, I might tie it into, well, you know, there's a conference happening and I'll fly over and I'll just do everything there. And then I don't have to go to the U S again, like, you, you know, uh, for six months or a year or something like that. So yeah, I, I think that, uh, that would be, you know, kind of like one bet, but obviously not, not a hugely, uh, technical oriented bet, <laughs> uh, but one that uh, I'm, I'm certainly hoping uh, happens. And I feel from speaking to customers that, that it's, a, it's a good possibility. Many of the sales leaders uh, were definitely saying that, you know, the whining and the dining and the steak dinners will decrease in the coming months for sure. 
So yeah, exciting times to be in. But very curious, you talk about the uh, conferences as well. So you're hoping maybe in 2022, there will be a lot of physical conferences as well. And um, just before that, uh, quick question to you, why Dublin and why not London? I always wanted to ask that question to you. Yeah, yeah good question. I mean, on, on that point then, so I think back in 2015, when I was looking at like a, a place to host SASTOC, the the advice I was getting is like you know choose your your kind of the, the city you know capital city kind of you know nearest to you because logistically you know it, it kind of makes more sense because you'll be make, needing to make lots of trips and so on to the venue so on and so forth uh, and that would have been London right but I did look I, I was looking around London I did find you know I was bootstrap founder uh, I found like the quotes I was getting from the venues I was looking at was like you know I fell off my chair quite a few times right and I just like this is never going to kind of get off the ground and then the venues that i could afford were like you know in places in london that really i don't think people really would be excited to kind of travel to right mm -hmm. so there, there was a, there was definitely a budgetary consideration which, which made me kind of look at uh, ireland and dublin which uh, at the time had web summit was the big conference True. in dublin and i went to web summit and I had a great time there and i love dublin and you, you know had a, a, a really uh, fond memories of it uh, and, and I found that, you know, the, the city can be transformed by one conference, right? Uh, and so when the conference is in town in Dublin, uh, you know about it and you bump into people like, you know, all the time and the people that are at events and at dinners and jogging in the morning, like on your way to the venue, you see people in the lift and everything. And, you, you know, there's, there's a really good vibe from it, right? And you don't get that. I've never been to a conference in London where you have this vibe, you don't really know that the conference is on. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, London is such a big place that, you know, sure. just kind of, you, you get swallowed up in it. So you never bump in, you never bump into anybody that you've been to at the conference that day. And they don't really have also, I think, any exciting venues uh, uh, as well. So sorry, sorry to, uh, <laughs> you, you know, hate, not hate on London because I, I, I am British, right? But uh, um, so I, I just kind of felt like Dublin sung a lot to me. It was much more affordable, uh, you know, to me much a smaller city that you know really could connect uh, people uh, together and i think you've kind of proven that it, it worked really well and people love coming to ireland part of the decision that people make in coming to sastock is because hey i've never been to ireland before or i used to True. live in dublin and i want to go back right and and they want that kind of experience and it just wouldn't be the same i, I think in, in london so that's really kind of the the reasons there and then back to uh what's the what was the other question so no, that was the question. Why why not London? Why Dublin? And um, I mean, a quick follow up is that I think Web Summit uh, migrated to Portugal. So so is there a yeah, possibility yeah, yeah. possibly that tomorrow <laughs> at a later point in time it may not be Dublin, maybe some other part of uh, of Europe as well? Is there a, a remote chance? I'm just curious. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there could be a remote chance, right? And I, I never say no. Like I I do love it in Dublin. I, I do love the conference being there. Web Summit had left, uh, I think one main reason that Web Summit left, or there's probably two, one was that they'd grown out of Dublin, right? Uh, so 70,000 people coming into Dublin just couldn't, couldn't work, like the infrastructure uh, couldn't support it, right? Um, so there wouldn't be enough hotels, you couldn't, you, you know, traffic would come to a, a gridlock and, it, you know, it wouldn't quite work and the venues are not kind of big enough. So Portugal had that, but at the same time, economically, you know, Web Summit kind of, you know, put the conference, uh, you know, up to tender for, you know, for all the different kind of governments and countries. Uh, and Portugal paid them 100 million over 10 years, right? And, um, you, you know, because you think about the, the value of bringing in all, all of these, you know, business people and tourists to, to the economy, 
So, you know, if, any, if anyone wants to offer me 100 million over 10 years, um, then I'll likely deeply consider leaving Dublin, um, uh, but only for a, a cool location like Portugal or Lisbon. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's on the horizon, uh, you know, at the moment. And certainly next year, we'll be back in Dublin, uh, which will be our fifth time in Dublin, mm-hmm. although there would have been a two-year gap between conferences. So we, we obviously, the last one was in 2019. Mm-hmm. We couldn't do it in 2020 because of the pandemic. We still really can't do it, you know, kind of this year, you know, because of the pandemic, even though things are opening up and getting better. But at the same time, you know, we're seeing new waves and spikes. And I, I think there's just kind of too much risk, uh, like involved to, to make this kind of successful, you know, from the, the cost and the time and planning. So we've kind of gone for the, the, uh, the risk averse approach mm-hmm. to say, look, whilst we don't know for sure, we do feel that, you know, by October 2020, the world is going to be in a much better place that we can get people traveling internationally to come to this event. Uh, and additionally, like in, in uh, 2019, you know, we had about three and a half thousand attendees uh, at the event from 74 countries. And we've gone through two years of no conference. So we thought about, well, what is the number for, for 2022? What is, the, what is the target? Do we go back to where we were and, you know, pick up where we left off? You know, or do we go less because we don't, are people going to be willing to travel? Mm-hmm. Or do we go more? Uh, and we've gone with more. We've gone with uh, a target number of 5,000 uh, attendees. And the reasons being uh, really kind of two reasons that over the last two years, the, the SaaS market, you know, has kind of grown yeah. quite yeah. exponentially. It's booming. You know, it's a, it's a great uh, sort of a space to be in. You know, our email list has grown. You know, there adva- are two advantages. You know, we've got more data and the market is bigger. So why go smaller is the thing. Obviously, the, the why go smaller you know, in that box would be, well, are people going to travel pandemic? What's happening sort of thing. But we feel that, you know, October 2022, people are going to be ready to come back to Sastock. It's going to be a great party, a great reunion, uh, a lot of learning as well, a lot of, a lot of Guinness drunk. And uh, um, yeah, it should be, should be a great time catching up with everyone. So, um, so yeah, that's what, that's what we're doing. Absolutely. And um, uh, just out of curiosity, you know, uh, SaaS could be, a tr- I mean, I was reading reports, they were saying it's a trillion dollar market by 2030. So, so how's the SaaS scene out there in UK as well? Because you are anyways based out in the hub. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. I mean, I tell you what, like, um, I mean, from a global, I know you asked me about the UK, but you know, when, when we started SaaS stock and looking about 2016, we were like, how many, what is the total addressable market for SaaS, right? And it's diff- I don't, any, anybody that I spoke to didn't really have the full answer kind of back then, but there was like anecdotally, and we could, you know, pull together all these different databases and crunch base and deal room and other things and so forth. And we're kind of, kind of coming to this some number about, oh, like 15,000, you, you know, and then a couple of years later, it was like, oh, about 30,000. And now this year, you know, I'm hearing 300,000, right, is the, is the kind of the total addressable market, right, yeah. for SaaS right now. And so from 2016, 15,000 to now 300,000. So what is that going to be, you know, in 2030? I'm not going to do the math. But, <laughs> uh, but I think, I, I think you, you know, we're, we're seeing that, like, so many, so many companies are now being born as SaaS companies, right? So it's such a, such a strong space to kind of be in and to then, you know, run a conference uh, you know and a, and a media business that that is in that space that helps you know SaaS founders and SaaS companies grow their businesses so it's uh, it definitely has it, it, its benefits right so uh, so yeah so we're we're very bullish then obviously around the, uh, the the SaaS space and you know seeing that kind of growth uh, you know of, of SaaS that within that 
Excellent. And um, my few of the concluding questions would be, Alex, that um, we usually ask, you know, uh, all our guests, all the, all the folks that we bring on our podcast, you know, what are some of the books or the novels that really inspired you over the last few years? So we'd love to know your thoughts or take on that as well. I mean, any, any book that really interested you over the last few months or something that you have been reading, you'd love to share. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, I, I would say avid reader, but uh, yeah, I'm like, I, I try to read a couple of books a month. You, you know, and uh, some months is better than, than others. This year, a couple of the good ones that I've read, I read, I think it's called like The Breakthrough Company. Uh, I believe that's what it was called. Can't remember the author, um, but it, it, they were just looking into, it was like data-driven, like what effectively, like what is it that makes some companies kind of break through to success and, you know, become these kind of big scale companies compared to kind of others, right? So, uh, uh, so that was really good. Another one that I read uh, that was completely, well, sort of different, but again, I, th I think it's, there's more mindset related, was The Daily Stoic by R Ryan Holiday. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I love that book. And it was a real, uh, well, I'll say like page, page turner uh, for me, but it, it, I learned so many things from that, you, you know, just think in terms of way, the way of thinking about certain things and, you know, th not worrying too much about, you know, the past or, you know, the future and living in the present and the way that, that he kind of dresses like, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're all going to die. We're just kind of, you know, counting, not counting down the days till we die, but that therefore like, you, you know, that, that is certain. So that just make sure that you use your time well, right? And, and stuff like that. And it was like, oh yeah, you know, it's a, good, it's, it's a good point. But so there is a whole chapter like the, it's 365 sort of days a year, 365 day, 365 observations and he breaks it in, into months and the whole month of December is about death right so it sounds kind of like morbid but it's actually you, you know just makes you really kind of think about like you, you know using your life and your time you know in a positive way and the way you think about things so that was a real, real standout one for me as well probably some others but uh, I, I would say definitely those two are currently reading Jim Collins sort of latest one which was actually his first book as well but he's got a new version of it uh -huh. It's called Beyond Entrepreneurship 2.0 uh, by Jim Collins uh, and Jerry Porras, I think. Um, so that's pretty good. And just re recently just read the chapter about, you know, the vision, mission, strategy, BHAGs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. It's quite topical because it's something I need to sort of revisit within, uh, within Sastock. So, um, so yeah, there's some good stuff. But I, I read too many business books and not enough fiction. Although I am reading, it's not fiction, it's a, uh, but I'm reading Endurance. Mm. Uh, at the mm. moment, uh, which is the tale of, uh, you know, crossing the, uh, I think, the, 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 the North Pole uh, as well. Mm. So that's, a, that's, a, that's kind of like my bedtime book to kind of switch off from the screen, you know, get rid of the, the melatonin or stay away from <laughs> melatonin depletion uh, and, um, yeah, just read, read a few pages before I, I go to bed. Awesome, awesome. Oscar, what are you reading or what's uh, one or two books that really inspired you over the last few months? Yeah, I mean, my I didn't make to read like, or I couldn't do to to read like more than one book per month. So I told myself, okay, one book per month, and one of the books I always recommend. I mean, I come from a marketing perspective is Content Chemistry by Annie Crestodina. Mm -hmm. It's about how to create content that attracts people, that people come to you and think, okay, you provide some great value to them, and you can build new connections. And it's basically just about the, the clubhouse topic we talked about, right? create content, recycle it, use it for your blog, stuff like that. So Content Chemistry by Annie Cressodina, 
I would recommend that anytime to any founder, anybody who wants to use inbound marketing as a marketing channel, 100% recommend it. What about you, Sashwood? Oh, I think um, I recently went through the OnDeck Fellowship in the in the Valley ecosystem, and someone recommended me to read uh, Superfans and uh, Pat Flynn, a great book. I loved uh, some of the nuances of building a fandom as well, like how having thousand good fans really impresses you upon having a million audience. So I just um, uh, learned quite a lot of metrics and quite a lot of things that how um, uh, people are really building their communities and uh, the fandom as well. So that was very exciting to me. Alex, it was an amazing time having this conversation with you and uh, hope to see you sometime in Dublin, to be honest. I mean, who knows, Oscar, me, and we all will catch up for a guineas back in <laughs> next time in, in October 2022. If all goes well, I think. There's, there's no hope about it. It's 100% going to happen, right? So um... half of a guinness for me, Alex, half of a guinness for me. <laughs> I cannot take one whole guinness. <laughs> No, 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 no. If you leave me, you'll take a whole Guinness. Uh, okay, but, okay, uh, let's yeah, see, let's see. I, it, it's, it seems a long way away, but um, I'm sure time will fly and uh, no doubt we'll, uh, we'll have to make it happen, right? So I'm, uh, I'm already very excited uh, for this and uh, I look forward to, to seeing you in, uh, in Dublin. I know we will speak many times before then, but uh, seeing you in person and uh, in, in the Irish pubs as well. Absolutely, Alex. And uh, it's a pleasure to host you. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you within the SaaS network and within uh, elsewhere as, as well on our Slack channels, etc. And uh, thank you so much for joining in for our show. Yeah. Thanks so much for, for having me. I uh, really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Alex. Yeah.